Welcome back to season two of Traumedy, the podcast that helps you transmute your trauma with comedy. It's not a replacement for trauma therapy, never has been, never will be, but it will help you get by between sessions. I'm your host, Nancy Norton. I am a comedian. I'm a former nurse. As many of you know, I got out of healthcare for the same reason a lot of you got into it, to save lives. I'm healing with humor now. I'm studying therapeutic humor, and I'm a big advocate for gallows humor and dark humor, which is what nurses, first responders, trauma survivors really need. I got written up in nursing school for my dark humor after clinicals when we would go back and discuss our day with our fellow nurses. And it turns out I actually was being of service and I was helping people express vicarious trauma. Traumedy is peer-to-peer sharing, co-healing our trauma wounds with comedy. This year, I'm so excited to be starting off January 23rd. That's one, two, three, and our first three guests, the Growlix guys, one, two, three, Andrew Orvidal, Adam Caton Holland, and Ben Roy. This is going to be a fantastic start. We have so many cool guests coming up. I'm excited. We have Pete McGraw will be coming up soon. He's the author of The Humor Code, Stick to Business, and he has a brand new book he's going to talk about. I'm going to be doing a little comedy at his solo salon February 1st. Uh, That'll be exciting. I am also a keynote speaker. I love to go around and talk to businesses, conferences about the power of humor, how it helps with team building, creative problem solving, health, families. It is so helpful to everything. As Charlie Chaplin said, take your pain and play with it. As always, share this with a friend. The main goal of Traumedy is to help heal ourselves and others. Let's keep paying it forward. I'm loving this. This I have to be honest. I mean, this podcast is healing me. Like I I wanted to be of service as part of my recovery work from codependency and as an adult child, I am working some 12-step programs. But I uh, have to admit, it's selfishly been I love I, it. I get That's a nugget. I get like a nugget every time. No pressure. But I just have a feeling. Wow, I hope. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to go grab my bag of nuggets. Um, no. Oh, you fixed my glasses. Oh, this just in. My favorite glasses got repaired by, by my teenager. Look at that. Nice. Those, those are my uh, favorites. You break, I fix. Right? <laughs> uh, the store? Actually, yeah. <laughs> we have used, the, oh my gosh, with, we both have ADHD and drop our phones. Yeah. We, uh, nice. it's a sign. That's one of the signs, I guess. Drop. Do you often drop your phone and lose it? Mm, you may I have, do. You may have ADHD. Welcome to Traumedy. My guest this week, you may know from those who can't. And one third of the Growlix, writer, comedian, Andrew Orvidal, which I'm sure you always get introduced as Overdahl. Do you? It's true. It's well, true. Thank well, you for having me. Yes, I do the shittiest introductions and leave you with no room to say anything. <laughs> no, it was great. Uh, it's true. My last name is literally misspelled on my social security card. That's not a joke. It's true. It's wow. misspelled they on just... my own social security card. So it's a tricky one. It's Ooh, a but tricky that would have been cool that maybe would help you dodge the draft had there been one. 
but it might have because I didn't. I never got like selective service mail or anything. So maybe I uh, maybe I got out of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe you did. I wonder what okay. other benefits there are to having your name misspelled. Is it? Did yeah, you maybe, have to maybe fix? Maybe I it? have like a phantom identity. Maybe I should be out there like just getting away with stuff because I'm like technically a ghost in the system. Who knows? No, Who knows? I didn't do it. Andrew Overdahl did it. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> they're like it's clearly you. It's definitely you. <laughs> you did it. Oh man. Uh, well, you and I, you know, have a big gap in our friendship uh, where I, uh, you know, disappeared. I think for many years. But I, I love that I got a little bonding time with you early on when my son was, what, toddler in a car seat driving to Wyoming. I we always did. We I always think of that of as our most, bonding. like formative hell gigs of my whole comedy career together. And once you have that with another comedian, it bonds you on a level that really no amount of casual green room chats can can compensate for, I think. You know, it's true. And thinking about that, it is that bonding experience of getting through. I mean, you were very ill. You had a stomach flu of um, some sort. I mean, you were losing your fluids and driving, I think, your father-in-law's car. It was storming and <laughs> a snowstorm. Yeah. You got rear-ended. Yeah, just to tell the listener the gist of it, we went up from Denver, Colorado, to Wyoming, doing a classic Casper, Wyoming run. I forget the name of the venue. It's like the only bar in Casper, apparently. But we went oh, the Wonder Bar, the Wonder yeah, Bar, the Wonder Bar, the Wonder Bar, and it's actually kind of a cool uh, setup. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a cool space, and I'd done it before, and the shows were fun. I was excited to do it with you because. I love your comedy. I, I like hanging out with you. So I was like, cool, this will actually be, you know, as a comedian, there are the road gigs that are insufferable because you're in a car with someone you don't like. There's like neutral ones. And then there's cool ones where you're like, oh, I like this person. So I was excited for a cool one. But yeah, I remember we had Taco John's for dinner. I love Taco John's. And then we went and did the show. <laughs> <laughs> I did too until this incident. And Do you think it was Taco John's? No, I think. Uh, and then afterward, I went back to the hotel room and I... I got as about as sick as I've ever been in my life. I probably threw up without exaggerating at least 40 times oh, to where I'd be mean, long ago, the food had stopped coming out and then it was just like the stomach bile and I just couldn't stop. And I think it was just some kind of norovirus that I got, but I remember. But when you associate it with a food, you just cannot, your body won't let yeah, you. That's almost like a trauma. Taco John's. Unfortunately, because it was tasty and <laughs> I didn't get sick. I just want to say um, defensive yeah. Taco John's. Uh, of course, I have the di look at me. I have the digestion of a peasant, man. I, I do. I, I am the garbage disposal. At we don't need a compost or a the garbage disposal. Of a peasant. <laughs> I, I do. I can just snacking on some shoe leather. Yes. Cans, <laughs> old cans. I can digest I anything. But also, I but, guess the blessing was it didn't really hit you till after the show, right? Or was yeah, it, were thought, you getting I sick on stage? I fine on the show. And yeah, it wasn't until I was back in my hotel room oh, and so I was like, oh, weird. I've never had food poisoning in my life. And I, I was like, oh, I, I wonder if I got food poisoning. And then it just wow. very quickly escalated to where I was like, maybe I'm dying in a Casper, Wyoming hotel room. That is what it seems like. It was, it sucked and it was really scary. And I remember being super happy 
that, that you were there, not only because you're a nice and kind person, but also with your like nursing experience, you could yes. actually be like, okay, we need to get you some, some fluids and stuff. Yeah. And I, I managed to make it through. Okay. And I remember your friend drove us home the next day. Cause I was in no shape to drive, but I was like, boy, if I'd been up here by myself, just doing the run and there hadn't been another oh, comedian yeah. that would have just been like because you, you a thousand times worse so yeah you're right because you were so very grateful you were totally just pale green and i and you know you get so weak when you lose all those fluids yeah and then yeah it's so wild because i had yeah the toddler with us and then my friend brian thank god your car is uh manual or That's right. and uh, the snowstorm was just the cherry and it was on ice top. and then yeah because we had gone in there and of course i'm like oh look at our name on the it had a cool marquee yeah. with our names on it let's get a and photo I got we got it we, night. wasn't that yeah the we stopped where, yeah we stopped to get a photo of the marquee <laughs> oh man i'm gonna see if i can find that somewhere that'd be hilarious That's right because i had a, i have a bit about the guy the, about getting hit by that guy because yeah. he hit and run us we stopped yeah and i wanted to take a picture of the marquee you, and you were I pulled over rendered you were off yeah. you you were in the like whatever the little drop off. I was kind off. of double parked with my hazards on. All I right. remember, but it was like very clear that like, hey, this person's like stopped in front of the theater, and this dude but, just smashed into the back of oh. me in the snowstorm, and he was hammered, and he drove off into the night. And I remember the first time I threw up in the hotel room, I was like, oh, I bet this was stress from that accident. I bet it's just like my body being overwhelmed by stress. And then I thought it was food poisoning. And then I was like, oh no, I'm incredibly sick. I totally forgot about that car accident. I thought that happened a different time. Yeah. yeah truly a road gig from hell. <laughs> and then the blinding blizzard all the way home. Oh so. man. And ice, just a sheet of ice. But we had, I think you it was a nice Volvo that you were yeah, driving. So luckily, I felt we car. were very safe in that car. <laughs> it got us home. We made it. We made it through. But yeah, it's bonding. I know. I will always, I remember those more. And it is weird how our brains, I, maybe that is just how we survive, right? That's the whole trauma response. That's so you remember, let's not do that again. I'm not going to go, even though it's just an association, it's not a correlation. It's not a cause and effect, but the Taco John's, I had the same thing with a can of tuna once where I had just eaten tuna salad and then got so sick and I just never could go back. You know, it's like, yeah, you've I, never, you don't eat tuna since then. Uh, I typically don't. I don't, I don't know wow. that I ever opened. I, I don't, I don't want to say never. I definitely, you know, I'm a wannabe. But vegan. in general, you don't like, I'm it. a wannabe vegan, but I do No, in general. It's like, I still, if I, I look at the can, I can remember like, but that's that trauma response that you have about, that's where you get a trigger because if you have something and that is life threatening when you're losing your body fluids, like, Hey, listen, people in third world countries die from this stuff all the time. In fact, my own son who's from Nepal, uh, was very sick in a hospital and I don't think he would be alive without Western money and me saving his life. I remind him when it's time to take the trash out, <laughs> I saved your life. Take the trash Jesus. out. <laughs> no, but I, I have, I barely no big deal. Yeah. The ultimate guilt trip. <laughs> I, I have rarely ever used it, but I mean, the orphanage director visited us this year. He's 19. So 18 years later, and I thought it was cool that he came to follow up. Like, you know, cause cool. he, he really felt responsible for these kids. And he said one of them really wasn't doing well that he had adopted to another country. And he felt that he felt very bad about it. And then, so he came here and he was, he told my son, he goes, your mother saved your life. And I was like, 
See, uh, but really what happened was I, Can I get that in writing. <laughs> you write that Can I get it on video <laughs> and just on a, on a boomerang, a boomerang loop on Instagram. I'm in no my, su- I'm in that sunny weird. I'm not using, vi- I wasn't using any video on this, but I, now I'm, I don't know. I couldn't tell like the first season I didn't do any video. Then, um, Ben Roy encouraged me to try the zoom, which I couldn't figure out. I'm so embarrassed. I could not figure out how to get my audio from the zoom into my headphones. And all it was, was this one channel that has the little symbol, the USB symbol. I still haven't told him we spent 45 minutes on that. Um, (laughs) Everyone's doing video now. It's the new thing. I know, but podcasting used to be easy. It was just chatting. And now I got to, I got to scrape the food off my face to chat. All right. Well, and I don't, I just don't, I hate looking at my lazy eye in the camera, but also just the, I don't know. I just don't like, I don't want to feel like I'm performing I, on the, I really want to just, I feel like it lets me drop into my body easier when I'm not on video. I agree. I agree. So we can, we can turn off the video if we want, but, uh, where was I? I was just all over the place. No, he, my son, I'm just going to finish that. I'll probably edit it out, but he needed IV antibiotics and he was getting reinfected in the hospital from the way they wash the diapers on the floor of the bathroom, which is every nurse what? knows. That's where the super bugs are. It was an interesting the choice. Floor of the yeah. Bathroom. And their cloth, they, and they were just lay them on the ground and throw buckets of water on them and kind of rinse them in another bucket and then hang them. And it just was like, just full, a broth of yes, germs. Petri <laughs> dish, a diaper. And then it would not quite be dry. They'd hang it on the foot of the bed. And then when it would sort of be dry, they'd put it back on him and he kept getting these kidney infections. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. So <sighs> saved his life, took him out of the hospital, gave him the ugly American diapers and IV antibiotics. Uh, but yeah, the stuff that you had was life-threatening. And so that is why it is anchored forever in your mind. But today, yep. Yep. <laughs> well, and then, you you know, it's good to laugh. That's what we're doing here. You know, I'm studying therapeutic humor. I'm learning about what we already know intuitively comics just do this naturally. Thank God, whatever. I don't know how and why we chose to take our pain and play with it and not get it all stuck in our bodies. Like so many people don't know how to do this. And so that's what we're doing here is kind of showing them take a bit. Sometimes we take a bit, we work, we deconstruct it. You can even like send me an MP3 of a bit or we can just talk about it. But what I like to hear is how have you, as a comedian, taking your pain, taking it, I guess, how have you taken your pain and played with it? Like, how can you show examples of that? Like, is there a bit like that is like, oh, my God, people don't know that this bit actually represents so much trauma, um, you know, because so many people get isolated with their trauma. They think nobody's been through this horrible thing because it is that kind of trick in our mind. Like, we're the only ones suffering this way. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Does any of that ring true for you? Yeah, I think so. This is kind of perfect timing because I just tried a new bit last night that was kind of, I think, emblematic of what you're talking about. I got, last year I got a vasectomy and they like botched it and they botched it in a way, not so that I can still accidentally get people pregnant. They botched it in a way so that it... I uh, was felt like I was getting randomly kicked in the nuts oh. minus the fun part of getting kicked in the nuts, I guess. And it was like, <laughs> and it was well past the healing window and 
I was like, this is messed up. This is like my body is not the same way it was because of a sector. I have a whole bit about it and I don't want to get into the the whole bit, but uh, you know, a vasectomy is supposed to be very routine and, you know, the complications are few and far between. And it's like, this is no problem. And um, this whole thing. And I was like, well, it messed me up and it, my body's not working the way it was supposed to. And it's like genuinely uncomfortable for me, like just not feel good to feel like you got kicked in the nuts and just uh, constantly spending, hurting, like aching yeah, or was it knifey pain or phantom pain? There's like both a sharp pain and an ache. And obviously like right after healing, that was like natural, but it, then it was like well after the healing period. And I talked to some of my friends who had vasectomies and they were also like, oh yeah, mine was screwed up too. And I was like, did you go to the doctor? And they're like, no, I never went to the doctor. And I think there's this like stigma of like going back or even like saying like, Hey, this didn't work out the way it was supposed to. And it was supposed to be like very uh, easy and, and routine. And it was not that. And so I did go back to the doctor and I was like, Hey, I, I yeah, need man. you to fix this. You blew it. And the doctor did not want to fix it. It was kind of baffling how uh, at first he was like, Oh, I think you know what it is. I think you just have a hernia. That's what it is. I'm like, I've never been diagnosed with a hernia in my life. You're telling me I just got randomly that. got a hernia the same time that you were like going to work uh, uh, in in my nuts. Like that seems like kind of uh, yeah, and, a crazy coincidence. Yeah. And, and then his pitch was, you know what? What you could do is uh, before sex, you could just take a few ibuprofen. And I was like, for the rest of my life, like that's wow. the fix is for the rest of my life. I got to eat a handful of Advil before I get it on. I was like, that's not, no, that's not. That's oh no, you froze. Did I lose you? Hang on. I can't hear None you. None of my other male friends who were, who had any issues. They didn't, they just like lived with them. They were just like, I'll just, I'll just swallow it and just live with my botched vasectomy, which was, well, A, sad. It was sad that that they're living that way and just kind of like illuminating that like, oh, this seems to happen more often than it seems just because guys don't want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, tough nuts, you know, you got, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you just, like that whole stoicism thing and also who wants to go have their nuts uh, manipulated again, you know? It's not a comfortable scene yeah i'm sure. sure like you lay on the table and i'm sure they drape you know drape you and get your junk oh, yeah. get your like junk you know like they have the little it's window hour they have it's a little hour of imaging and it's like i feel bad for anyone who has spent an hour with testicles like they're so <laughs> gross and to have to spend an hour with them because as a guy your healthcare for nuts when you go to the doctor is always like seconds. They'll they'll grab them, have you cough to check for hernia. That's a few seconds, and sometimes they'll give you the testicular cancer exam, which again is like seconds and an hour. It's an, an hour, hour of just, just manipulating on my nuts. Yeah, and that's that's what it was. So. And I think, yeah, that alone, I think some guys are like, I just don't want that. And I was really on the fence about talking about it as a bit because it's a kind of, you know, I turned it into a funny story. But I was like, do I even want to talk about this on stage? Like, I already tell the story about getting the vasectomy, which people like and 
uh it works very well as a bit but i was like do i want to be like talking about this part and i was like but after talking to my friends who were like no i never i never dealt with it i never went back you know and so like, you're helping people talk about it yeah, yeah i want to like get it out there and be like hey i'll tell a room full of strangers that they botched it you know and that i had to go back in like i don't care i don't care what if if they think that's weird or whatever like it's it, I, ultimately it's worth it to me if even one person in the crowd is like you know what i'm gonna go back in and be like hey you you didn't Some, you didn't do this right something, something is, is wrong up. something <laughs> is wrong i gotta tell yeah. you your your video and audio froze for a minute back about when you were saying that thought i wanted to hear the rest of what that doctor said but it i don't know if it captured on the cloud recording of zoom but oh, I, I can say it again and I can edit. Yeah. So what did the all I want to hear? So he was the last thing I heard was he was making these kind of excuses that it might be a hernia. Oh, well, or you should just endure it. Take Motrin every time you want to have sex. And yeah, that's he was like, and that's 45 minutes, have... by the way. That's exactly. like a man who if you don't need Viagra, <laughs> Viagra is hard. And like you got to plan ahead to make sweet love. And it's like, hold, hold on, honey. Mm. Hold on. I got to take my 800 milligrams of of. Motrin and it takes an hour for that to kick in. That's what I say in the bit. It's like, that's so ridiculous. Like, yeah, let's, uh, let me just, let me just eat a handful of Advil. We'll cut, we'll circle back in an hour. Well, let's watch a show. We can watch an episode of Bake Off. We'll get back into it when it kicks in. But, <laughs> no, nothing. but he was, he was yeah. genuinely okay with that being the fix for the that rest of my life, which was just like baffling that it's like, yeah. What? No, like, that's not the fix. Like no one gets a vasectomy thinking like, well, I might have to take some kind of painkiller uh, for the rest of my life as a result of this. No, that's never not acceptable. You would consider when you're getting it. And I want to hear yeah, how you like, advocated Whoa. for yourself. Tell how did you tell this doctor? No, actually, this needs to get fixed. What were they adhesions or something? I'm guessing, or what, what caused the, like adhesions to the nerve maybe, or what did he say? Did he have to release to, something? Uh, okay. I, I asked two things. First of all, okay, how yeah. did you advocate for yourself? <laughs> I got to watch my, my ADHD cause I didn't take my med today. So yes. How did you convince no or, or uh, how did you advocate for yourself that this needs to get done? Uh, I advocated for myself just by kind of being persistent of like, I, I'm always like very, I shouldn't say always because there's, you know, probably an exception here or there, but I'm pretty good at staying very even keeled, even when I, even when like in my head, I am mad, like his suggestion, both of his suggestions, the hernia would also made me mad just because it was weird that he would just like toss that out there. And it wasn't a hernia. Like, of course, they found out when they did the imaging, there was no sign of a hernia. And it was like, you just like rift a hernia and the hopes that I would like leave the office and be like, all right, well, I guess I have a hernia. But I was like, well, if I have a hernia, I'm also getting that fixed. Like, so it's one one way or the other. Um, Good point. But yeah. It was just kind of being politely persistent of like, I don't think that's it. And I want, I want to know what is going on, kind of. And, uh, but yeah, just being polite and cool, even though that was a case where for sure I there was a moment where I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I kind of wanted to just be like, you yeah. think for the rest of my life I should just pop be popping Advil uh, because of this like phantom pain from the procedure you gave me like that? Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't 
track is right and then oh the other the third thing he said was he changed the healing window and he was like you know it could take up to a year to to heal and i was like at no point in any of this was it ever said it could take up to a year to heal they're like oh you should be like basically back to normal and i don't remember what it was but it was far far less time than a year but then suddenly it could take up to a year to heal yeah well, okay. what? Like, that's totally new. So, uh, yeah, anyway. So, it you, was just kind of you polite, polite persistence. persistence. And then once he acquiesced and said, okay, we'll do another scan, well. And it was a, a vascular issue with like the veins in there. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't know entirely like how the procedure would cause it, but yeah, it was basically causing like pressure uh build up like inside my nuts because of i refuse to be an adult i guess about it still nuts, <laughs> my nuts i won't say testicles uh with the veins in in there uh so maybe all he had to do was go through the steps of like oh yeah i'll do all the imaging and i'll like check this out but he was just like very quick to just like come up with these other things that weren't solutions at all. So, yeah, I mean, that's the way to all medical care is like you, you go there in the hopes of like, I'm going to see a professional. I'm going to see hopefully the last word in whatever this medical subject is. But as every adult knows who's had any kind of, and you probably more than most with actual uh, healthcare industry experience like doctors <laughs> like every job they run the whole range of quality and so if you if your gut's telling you like i don't think that that maybe this is the right answer i'm not happy with this answer like keep trying to get answers you don't have to if you can i, I mean, love that i love that you mentioned the gut because we we know now that there are actual brain neurons all lining our gut that our brain outsourced to this, I don't know which came first, actually, because I've watched, my mother had Parkinson's and we were watching, you know, that's one of the first symptoms with the gut problems. And it turns out because the neurons in the gut, but man, there's a lot of intelligence in there um, that you don't, don't, it, I love that we can't argue it. Like it doesn't do the ego thing. Your gut doesn't do, oh, he's saying this, therefore it just is and trust it. Like it knows it's a knowing place. I love that you mentioned the gut because a lot, so much yeah, trauma is people always cite it. They're always like, trust your gut. And no one's ever like the gut's unreliable. If you're like, yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> that would be a great debate. The brain and gut debate. Like yeah. where, cause the gut, it doesn't lie. And I have, I'm at, you know, this age of my life, finally, like stop arguing with it. Cause of what you, you know, I have a lot of sickness in my in my mind from codependency and getting attracted to the wrong people and trying to rationalize relationships. And my gut is telling me you're not safe here, but I stay cause I, I can fix it. Uh, yeah, right. But back to, <laughs> back to the hospital or the doctor, I'm also curious. So when, after he did, so he did the scan and while you're under the scan, he's doing this tiny vascular surgery, right? He's releasing the veins or whatever, yeah. whatever was causing the pain, like I, I keep picturing like a little adhesion in the veins where they can't do what they're naturally supposed to do uh, to have an erection, you know, which is engorge. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm, I get, obviously I can't say it with a, just a flat, like, 
either, you know, like yeah. engorge. If you got to talk that way to your doctor, talk that way to your doctor. <laughs> as long as you're able to say something to them, say the, the funny One, term, but yes. it's worth it to say something and say, get your shit fixed. Yeah, say it and, in a cartoon voice, like my nuts when I'm engorged. Ugh. Ow, ow. <laughs> like, my I, boner hurts. <laughs> Whatever you got to say. Whatever you got to say, say. <laughs> and that's just, you know, I have this... Uh, Whatever. I'm I'm going through pelvic floor physical therapy because uh I have I you know, I cannot seem to have uh intercourse without some pain. And it's like, no, I just have I refuse. It's like this is my birthright. And I don't feel like I should be forced to be a lesbian because of penis. You know, like I'm come on, if a baby can go through these yeah. parts, then surely a penis can make it in there. I have to do Lamaze breathing to have sex. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, we could do it. Oh, you know, you like got this. you got this. <laughs> that's, I think why a higher power knew I should not have babies. If I cannot actually yeah. accommodate the, uh, the yeah, penis, for sure. but I'm, I'm still, I'm working on it. I just want to say, and I do, I finally found like people that will help me and like, you know what, this is something that you can work with. And it is, it's awkward. It's awkward. I'm going to a physical therapist who is, you know, helping me and I'm yeah I'm having to do these uh my one of my guests was talking about the same thing vagina exercises <laughs> I have to do vagina exercises yeah. Uncle Lance doing vagina you're exercises. doing the you're doing the work yeah I mean you had to get out there and have the awkward conversation with someone and now you're like doing the work and so good for you you know getting it uh yeah because there's other people out there that are just like I'll just, well, this hurts and it sucks and it's dead my life. And I'm just going to live the next 50 years of my life just living this way. And it's like that, that's a bummer. Like at least try, even if it doesn't work out, at least you knew yeah. you're like, Hey, I really tried to fix this. And yeah, it, there's a way. And I, I agree. Like, so, like people do just put up with pain sometimes like, Oh, it just has always been that way. So it always will be that way. And also it's a, you know, there's some trauma associated, like just to release the, what I have been told, I don't want to brag, but oh. just hypertonicity. I'm like on guard, like nobody's getting in here. You know, like uh, if you've had a sexual trauma, there's a part of you that's just like, brace it, brace yourself, you know, girls. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but back again, I'm going back and forth, but I wanted to know after you got this release, the vascular, after he corrected whatever happened, then how long was the healing? And did you get free? Did you get free of pain? Yeah, it was like, it was like night and day difference, <sighs> much better. And yeah, all it took was just that little having to just speak up and not just live that way for the rest of my life and just think like, I guess this is just it. Yes, and beautiful. So, and yeah, you know, cause I, it is, I do feel like sexual pleasure is like, this is the soul agreement. When we came to earth to deal with all the shit, <laughs> like this is our reward. That's what I look at it. Like I look at sexual pleasure, yeah. the bliss, it's the orgasmic bliss as the reward for making the soul journey down here. Like that, come on, you deserve yeah, it. You deserve the, the bliss. Reliable, well, I shouldn't say reliably, but usually reliably great, free, very pleasurable parts of being a human being. There's other pleasures, but a lot of times they yeah. require substances or they require resources or something, but it's, it's one of those baseline human things. It's great. And if you 
something happens to your body that changes your enjoyment of that, you should try to get that back. Even if it means you got to, you got to go back into the doctor, you got to tell, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, you should, you should uh, say something. Yes. If you feel something, say something. <laughs> That's right. It's like the sticker. <laughs> That's our bumper sticker. Feel something, yep. say something. Yeah. Well, I, my I, friends who I talk to, they just, for whatever reason, they just didn't want to. I think it is maybe just the stigma of, um, like, oh, they said it was supposed to. There said there wasn't supposed to be any issue, and I'm feeling an issue. There's some, I, but I, I don't want to make waves, or I don't. Yeah, there's don't something wrong the with me, or about. yeah. But it's I, like, no, you gotta just, yeah, take, take care of yourself. Say something. And it's okay to give a one-star Yelp review now and then. Like, I yeah. mean, I'd like to see that Yelp, those Yelp reviews on that guy. Cause oh, the- I'm still on the fence about leaving a review for that doctor because I'm like, well, my issue ultimately got resolved. But I'm like, should I put it out there like a warning of like, hey, well, I think so you it, know. I think a three. You- okay, what about a three? Let's look at the star review. This could be kind of a bit too, like. <laughs> let's, I think it would be really helpful and it could be a long review. You don't have to just be like one star motherfucker. You know, you can be like 2.5. He actually did a good job in the end, but I really had to advocate for myself. And here's how, I mean, really the long version, although that's not funny, but I think there could be a, a, a bit around this, the Yelp review that you write. I could, yeah, I could list through the, the stars for and the stars against <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. sure. But but yeah, it's a general warning. It might uh, it might help people just to be like, oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna say something because this guy is is known to uh, gloss over uh, issues or or whatever, and keep what, extending what the healing time. Oh yeah, and the next year you go back. Maybe it takes two years. Oh, exactly. It's, it's actually a rest of the life healing window. What? What are you? Saying? And then they'll start blaming it on the aging process. Oh, it could just be. So I think it would be helpful. I like informative things like that. It's not vindictive. It's actually like, I want to help people know, like if you're after six, after six weeks or whatever the window is supposed to be, you still having discomfort, make sure you go back, get it fixed sooner than later. I did not want to, that was the other worries. I was like, I do not want to scare people away from this because I think this is ultimately, ultimately very good, especially with like reproductive rights for women being under fire in so many places. Yeah, that, that's what I was. I was um, really aware that you were doing this as an advocate for women that you're taking. Being, <laughs> you're, you know what I mean? I knew I wanted to get to that because I was like, but no, but I, yeah, but I mean, but it was like, Hey, I can also take care of this shit on my end. It doesn't always have to be like, Oh, you got to take birth control that you hate taking. You got to take this. Like, Hey, if you know, you don't want to have any more kids, you can go, take care of it on your end. And that's, you know, that's one less thing women partners that you have would have to worry about. So yeah, um, it's, I, I definitely did not want anyone to be like, Oh, I'm never getting a vasectomy. They're going to fuck it up and I'm going to get hurt. Like it's, it's like, you shouldn't do not let that be the takeaway, but uh, just know that if there is an issue, you should speak up. There's a remedy and there is a remedy. And now you're enjoying sex again. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm single, but in theory, I could. In theory, I could. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you know, uh, sometimes our solo sex life is valid. Let me just say that. It's okay to make love with yourself. Um, I'm doing, uh, do you know, I know you know him because you're cited in, in the book, The uh, Humor Code with Pete McGraw. Oh, yeah. And he hosts those solo salons. 
I'm going to have him on as a guest uh, soon. I don't know about the solo solo salon. What's that? Oh, man. It's so he has a podcast. uh, What is it? Solo Live? Solo Oh, I, f- I got, I forgot the name. Oh, of I it. think I heard about this. Yeah. It's so he's all, he's like thriving. Yeah. Something? Thriving as a, as a single person in a, in a society right. that really tries to, you know, enforce coupling. So he has these solo salons and they're pretty groovy. The people that are there are fun. I've gone a few times. It's sort of like the old, uh, Renaissance salon of the artists getting together and phil- philosophizing about, is it fizing? See, I can't even say how the word. No, I can't no. philosophize. <laughs> Is it philosophizing or philosophying? <laughs> I can't even say it. I guess I can't do it. But I just go as I'm just the clown. Okay, I just I'm just the comedic <laughs> relief from the philosophizing. <laughs> but anyway, it's kind of cool, fun people talking about can you feel a fulfilled and thrive and. And never really couple, you know, it's interesting, I think. Hmm, I don't know what my point yeah. is, other than solo life and uh, making time for oneself. But you're single um, right now. I, I, um, yeah, so I don't know what I was going to say about being single, but are you wanting to date? Are you, are you out there on the dating apps? No, I'm not at all. I've, historically, I've always like met, uh, my partner's just through like real life and like, Oh, I just met this person in the world. And, uh, that's great. That's like, I, you know, that that's in, I guess these, that's an old fashioned idea these days, but that's always how I would meet people. I never was never on any dating apps or anything, but it seems like more and more these days, that's how, uh, that's how people meet. And it's, it certainly is, a more popular way to do it. I did. I tried it for my own podcast. I I've got a, a kind of a world improving podcast. I do with some buddies. And one of the things we did in there was try to get me into the dating, the online dating scene. And I, I made a profile. It was a site. It was a dating site for dog lovers called dig dating. And the reason I did it <laughs> was because I have two dogs. I've got these two Huskies and they're a big part of my life there. I mean, obviously not just because I want to take great care of them and, and give them a great life, but they're Huskies, which are, if you don't know, a very high energy, very independent breed. They can't be around certain animals, very specifically cats. And I've often attracted partners who had a cat. And so it's like right from the jump, it's like, well, like neither one of us can spend the night at the other person's house unless we get a pet sitter because I can't bring my dogs to your house and you can't bring your cat to my house. So, so right from the get go, there's kind of this like little issue, which over time could become a a bigger issue. Um, But on this dating site, this is for dog lovers and you can say what kind of dogs you have. So I was like, wow, what a head start on relationships because i'll be like i've got these two huskies and then any dog lovers gonna be like oh i know what i'm getting into with this okay and so i i thought that it was kind of a good uh first step i love I, that because it's zero so- matches what you had zero <laughs> i had nothing it but was what, how, mean, it must be a I really small small pool yeah because for- most people don't know it exists but 
Yeah, I had zero. My guess was that they were like Huskies. No, thanks. I'm not, <laughs> I don't want this. Because um, that's a special kind of engagement with animals. With Huskies, they're they're highly intelligent. They actually talk, you know? I mean, what I understand. And then I have a sled dogish. Uh, we have a Samoyed um, oh, here. Yeah, and they so. kind of talk and they... She's yeah. very, she's very much a pack animal. Like, oh my gosh, she's always looking where'd she go, you know? So there's, you know, you, there's a tight bond with us. I'm thinking with Huskies too, right? Where you're like, you, yeah, you're the kind of dog dad that's like, I'm not leaving my dogs alone for a night. Yeah. They're my, they're my best buds. We, uh, I would not leave them alone overnight. I'd get someone to watch them if in any case, but, um, yeah, it is a tall. I remember I went on during the pandemic. I was taking these. Uh, I don't know what the right word is. I was going on these like walking dates with this woman. I called it Victorian dating because we were <laughs> like basically walking six feet apart around the park a few days a week. Because uh, this was like really during the 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 pandemic portion where, you know, you just didn't even want to be close to a person really. And so we would take these very, these very chaste walks around the park and talk and with like uh, a little fan over your face, you know, like a, yeah, like, oh kind my, of get, oh, get to oh, know Rhett. each other and stuff. And <laughs> I would bring my dogs on the walk and it was great. And then, uh, one time I brought them and my dogs escaped. They jumped out of the car as I was like, uh, getting them out and they ran off into the neighborhood, which is what they do when they get out. They immediately, <sighs> flee boys are they like boys game. Hmm? are they both boys it's a boy and a girl but okay, the boy sorry. is the one who instigates this bullshit <laughs> and keeps it going uh anyway sorry the girl I dog would just come back to me on her own but uh yeah so he's like he's the he, leader he, yeah they they get out of the car they run they think it's a hilarious game they're running around capitol hill denver i'm like <laughs> I'm screaming after them. I'm running after them. This woman is watching all of this. I'm trying to corral them. I'm terrified that they're going to get hit by a car. Yeah, that's or, the scary part. Um, or that they'll just keep running. You know, they're in the heart of the city and they could just, it's cold out. They could run all And they're known. And, they, and that's how we got our dog. She ran, obviously ran from her people. She wasn't chipped. And uh, they oh, wow. said they said they'll they can go for miles. Yeah, they'll and they'll end up in another. They can end up in another town. So oh, yeah, your your fe your so, fear was valid. I luckily I managed to corral them back, and but that woman never met up with me again. That was like I think maybe she saw that, and she was like, I don't want this in my life. Just, Even though that was rare, it's pretty rare that they've got they've escaped the yard a couple times and that was the rare uh city breakout, but that was our that was our last date and we never hung out after that. But um, she couldn't handle the sense of chaos or like yeah, just that, that, that you of, can't control your dog, so how are you going to dominate me in bed? You know. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I don't know. Well, <laughs> sometimes no, seriously, like some people really need to be dominated. <laughs> I don't know if that's her. I'm just saying that might have been like one of those things where if that I love it though. I love things that are real that actually help the truth come to the surface faster. Like probably not a good match, right? If if she's looking for somebody that could that that could has absolute power and control over their dog. What is that, you know, where is she looking for that? I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if she can't handle 
the yeah, fact that you yeah, are I think vulnerable sometimes. It could have just been the uh, the, the kind of crazy chaos of, of the dogs and being like, this is just something I don't want to be dealing with in my life. It's like this level of uh, confusion and yelling and stuff, but. Anyway, yeah. it, sometimes things like that weed people out. I like the idea of it. My son has gotten rid of so many mismatches for me, uh, whether it's, it's the dog or a child. Uh, it does weed out some people. Like if you, the guy I'm seeing, I'm seeing somebody and I met organically. I love the idea of meeting organically. I actually do like that because then it's like, okay, you're somehow we're in the same place at the same time for a a reason like we both I mean this was a Grateful Dead tribute band I really went to my friend was playing bass so I just went to support and just hang out and then this guy was there and he just really loved um hanging out at the music so whatever all of my point I don't know what my point is he's <laughs> oh he has a he has a child that's two years older than my son who went to the same high school and he lives in my neighborhood and it was just like man this feels great to have somebody and he said, I don't think I could date someone who does not have a child because it changes you in a way that other people cannot understand. That level of commitment to parenting. You have a daughter, you have a child, a couple years, yeah. a few years. daughter. 14, yeah. yeah. My son's 19, his is 21. But there is something there. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I, I know we're going off on different subjects, but do you feel like you could date a woman who has never parented or... How does that? Yeah, I've dated both. I've dated, uh, and I think it is, in my experience, it was a little more situational for each person. I dated people who didn't have any kids, but were like super cool. And like, they kind of integrated with our group in in a great way. And there weren't any issues. And then I've dated people who didn't have kids and it was not great. Like the kid, like they felt like, they were competing for attention with my kid. And I was kind of like, that's not how it is. It's different attention, first of all. But secondly, if that if you think that's how that is, then you'll always lose. Because this is my kid. This is my kid who that's right. is, is they'll, Number one. I'll, I'll love them for the rest of my life. And they'll be, you know, this, this hugely important, important part of my life doesn't mean I can't love other people and give other people attention, but it's just different. And it shouldn't absolutely not ever feel like a competition. Cause that's just weird. Like it's not, and then it wasn't even like I was ignoring them. Like, sorry, I'm hanging out with my daughter and you can't come along. It wasn't like weird like that. It was just, it was just this person clearly felt like they just were getting cheated out of it. It was Anyway, that one didn't work out. Yeah, but, that one clearly then, didn't work out. <laughs> but then I dated someone who did have a kid. And this is back when our kids were, were smaller, you know, like around six years old. And I actually found that tough because then I was suddenly a step parent, not legally because we didn't get married, but basically a step parent because we were all living together. And it was it was weird to have two kids in the house, one of whom was mine and one of whom was not. And the parenting style was just really weird. Cause I, I felt, you know, I had like a wealth of patience for my kid and almost no patience for this poor other kid, because he was also like a little chimpanzee. He was like a very wild little guy. And I was just, it was just very different. And 
I, I had a tough time with that. Cause I was like, I hate feeling like the bad guy because I'm like, I said, go to bed. I said, keep it down. I said, I'm like, I'm turning into like <laughs> a cartoon, a cartoon strip kind of grumpy stepdad, which is someone I never wanted to be. So that was, that was a little trickier. Cause that sort of balance of parenting, you don't just automatically calibrate to the other person's kid. It yes. Takes, um, I, yes. Doing, but I, it ultimately it was okay. Like I, I, I love that kid. We're still friends. I'm still friends with that woman. We all uh, still get along great. And ultimately it, it worked out, but it was, it was the tricky for sure. Yeah. I think the age, the age of the kids makes a huge difference. I, I never wanted to date somebody with, who had a kid when my, I just was, ta- I, I was at the end of whatever nurturing ability I had. And I, I knew, I already knew, like, I'm just not going to have enough generosity and I just could not handle. Yeah. I, I did not date anybody at that time. Now is that your adult son, is he supportive or critical of your relationships? Is he like, cool, go mom, go. Or is he kind of like, whatever. He is appropriately critical of people I have dated. He, like I said, he has helped me see through my um, trauma bonds and stuff. Like, like the last boyfriend I had, had like many red flags that it, my gut was miserable. I just had, you know, this trauma bond. I loved him kind of in that way that you could feel was like, I could, I could tell it was an addictive kind of feeling like must have him, you know, and it got to make it work. And he had, he, there's so many things that he ticked so many of the boxes, like, he, you know, musician, I have a thing, my, you know, my family grew up, you know, with a music in my house. My father was a musician, not professionally, but he could have been. And then I just loved, oh my God, music in the house, um, intellectual. I have this thing for scholars cause I'm not one, but my dad, you know, it's, it's a whole, it's, I hate to admit it's a textbook case, but my son was like, Ooh, you know, like this guy, is a weasel like there's, and he was right. This guy had a, you know, big, deep deficiency in empathy and, um, had some other creepy factors, honestly. So yeah. And he, he's weeded out like another guy I dated who was a sailor. Um, we were on a sailboat for three weeks. Oh, I I gotta tell you, (laughs) I gotta tell you, if you ever want to know, is this relationship going to work? Get in a confined area for three weeks and you'll be, you'll be done. You'll know, you will know. The pressure pressure cooker. Yeah. Yeah. Get a little RV or something or a tiny house. And like, we're holing up in here. Let's see. Let's not waste five years. Like I did with that other guy. This one was done three weeks. And my son was like such a dick. He was being such an asshole, but it was appropriate. Cause this guy was being very disrespectful anyway. So yeah. He, and then the guy I'm seeing now, he's like, I'm, I actually, now he's my barometer. Cause I'll check in with him and I do tell like, him and maybe, think? Yeah. maybe I've over empowered him, but I trust him. And he is 19 now. He does still live at home, but I'm, I'm like, now it's not so much, um, like I would ever have to choose between my son and a, and a partner, but I do, I'll ask him, like, what do you, you know, what do you think of this guy? Do you get any, anything I might be missing? And he's like, no, yeah, he's, he seems great. And I was like, yeah, oh, okay. that's good. No pressure. It's not his responsibility, but he does read people really well. Yeah. And he knows, I mean, he's spent a, you know, basically his entire life with you. So he knows <laughs> He, he knows you and your ins and outs as well. And yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's great. Why not get a little, a little wisdom that way? 
and he's studying psychology, which of course, I think that's the second worst thing your child can do is a sign of improper parenting. <laughs> like, number one is comedy. <laughs> number two is I'm going to be a psychologist. That <laughs> just says so much about like, oh, free therapy, sh- free therapy down the road. There's a lot of shit that went down. Well, I mean, I, I am a big co-creator with the loving universe. I'm highly spiritual. So if you want, I'll put out a vision for you. If you want to list anything you want with your partner, happy to put it out to the loving universe, or you can do that privately. I'm just telling you, man, I believe in manifesting. I believe in getting really clear as about as much as you can. Obviously people, there's nuances and, but I feel this sense of, you know, like, at least recognizing them when you see them, if you're really clear, like here are the things that I really feel are healthy and, you know, for me to have a healthy, loving relationship. These are characteristics I look for. This is, you know, somebody with dogs. <laughs> yeah. Some- <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Or at least love loving dogs, you know? Yeah, really loving them. Anything else? You would like me to put out there? I mean, there. that's probably the uh, that's probably the main thing. <laughs> so when you were on your podcast, it, it's dogs called Dogs and Kids. Dogs and <laughs> Growlix, uh, the gra- is it the Growlix saves the world or Growlix? I was uh, Growlix saves the world. Yep. Growlix. I'm not. Oh, you got to say it that way. I, I was saying Growlix. Growlix. Where where does that come from? Growlix. How many times have you had that question? Growlix. Uh, it, I've had it a few times. I'd like it more because that would mean that people are checking out the show but a Grolix is when a in a comic strip when the characters are cussing and they obviously they can't have them cuss they just put in a bunch of symbols you know like beetle bailey yeah. or whatever it'll just be like a bunch of punctuation symbols that's called a Grolix, and it's like a replacement for I, swear words i yeah. never knew this it's i love one of those how- little crossword puzzle words that yeah the average person has no idea Oh, I had no idea. It's a idea. terrible name for a comedy group. I think no one knows. <laughs> I actually love it. I think it adds the mystery and it, the word itself is very powerful. Like I love words that end with that X, you know, like Growlix. Growlix, yeah. Growlix. It's, I'm saying it's it wrong. It's really unique. We don't have Growlix. to worry about anyone uh, doubling up on it, but um, yep. So, so yeah, I, my, uh, we're, we're a live comedy group, but then we also have our podcast, The Growlix Saves the World, where we try to make your world a better place hopefully we're trying to also do a little good in in the world so um i love all three of you guys i got to interview ben roy and i got to interview adam kate and holland this week and so i'm excited i know i i feel like i scored because (laughs) i love that all of you have you know been such thoughtful compassionate you know, you guys have, you're, you know, you can be assholes and I love that you're assholes <laughs> to each other. You know, like that's where you get it out. You're just like, let's be dicks to each other verbally out, out loud. And, you know, just the way you play with each other, uh, with that kind of, you know, I don't know, pseudo meanness or maybe actual meanness sometimes. Yeah. I think it's just the luxury of, we have worked together now for 20 years, basically 19, 20 years. And- oh man. When you have that level of familiarity, it's kind of like siblings. That's what I tell people. I'm like, yeah, we like tease each other or mean to each other in the same way that you can be that way with a sibling. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you your baseline like bonded together. Like we just have known each other that long and 
have enough of that of that history yeah, so the baseline yeah, it's fun to tease each other and and say mean things and uh and luckily it's it i think it works really well for our, for our chemistry because when you when people listen to us or see our live show they're like oh yeah this is like being around good old friends who are giving each other a hard time that Yes. It's yeah. I love it. I love it. I love the tension. You know, reminds me a little bit of the Smothers Brothers. I love the Smothers Brothers. You know, Tommy just died this week. So I've been, I've been, or last week or whatever. I've been watching a lot of old Smothers Brothers. It's just now it's in my algorithm because I'm watching them. But you, you know how I just love that. I love that. uh, Given the the shit given back and forth. And then um, it's cool. How did you guys like, this is one thing with traumedy and therapeutic humor that I talk about where, yeah, it's nuanced. Like people in my, this association I'm in, it's a little goody two shoes. I'm trying to bring up more dark humor, more gallows humor, because nurses need it. People that have suffered a lot of trauma actually really need the dark humor. And so uh, you guys, how did you bond? How did you ever like, how did you find your, I call it your vibe because I'm trying not to do cultural appropriation with the word tribe. But how did you find oh, your, yeah. how did you find your vibe? Like, how did you know? Like, I'm so jealous that you found, you found these people and it, there's such a force. You're a force and you did a sitcom and you're doing these live shows and you do the podcast and you, I love it. And I'm a little jealous of it because I haven't found that with a group like that. And I just, man, I adore watching a group that has that kind of chemistry. I, well, we, we were all kind of in the same I guess I'd call it a class of comedy. As you know, there's just these like, it seems like there's these phases and like a bunch of new comedians enter the scene and they're kind of like their, their little class or whatever. And we all kind of started in the same class and we were doing stand up uh, all over Denver together doing shows. And then it was just kind of fortuitous. It, it became a, a a period in comedy where independent comedian run shows started to become popular and maybe there were there were these earlier in the 90s and 80s i wasn't really familiar with them and i hadn't necessarily heard of them it seemed like comedy was more like it happens at comedy clubs it happens at these like special events and it was less about it's like these comedians they just put on a show of their own in this little like that in this little secret room or whatever but there was this kind of uh in those early 2000s this movement where independent creator run comedy shows were like becoming a a much more popular thing. They were popping up not only in Denver, but in other cities as well. And so you would just go to the show that was run by the comics, putting it on. A lot of times it's a tiny, tiny little venue. The comics are setting up the chairs. And, um, and so we were like, Oh, well we should get into this too. And so we formed the first group is called Los Comicos Super Hilariosos, and we <laughs> did it, it at a dive bar, and then we moved it to an art gallery. Uh, I, I how did you get? Well, I want to like, know how that name, like, what happened there where well, you're like, Ad, you know what? We're Adam not Hispanic. But, Spanish. Yeah, what? Adam is fluent in Spanish. Oh. And, uh, so he named it that. And uh, it is wondering. a funny name because you would think that we would get a lot of like Spanish speaking people thinking that like, oh, finally, a, a comedy show in Spanish. No, it's not that at all. But yeah, okay. we did that for a number of years around Denver and it just it just grew and it was and yeah, we'd have a cooler of beers and it almost had a almost like a speakeasy vibe where it was just like you just knew about this show and you could just come down and hang out and 
and check it out. And then we had some lineup changes where it kind of got whittled down to just the three of us and we changed the name and again, just kept moving from venue to venue. And, but I think it was the rise of the independent show, which kind of helped glue us together because it was like, we weren't just doing shows together. We were putting on shows together. And so then you get that like working relationship. That's a little different than just being peers where yeah. you're both just at the green room at the comedy works, like chatting, but it's not our show. We're just down at the club, you know, doing sets. Right. So. Just, yeah. All you have to do is grab I the think, microphone, but this, you got to yeah. produce, you got to organize, you got to market it. So no, did you find every, that you, you did everything? You book the show, every, every facet of it. And you figured out somehow it's just so cool. And that, that it worked, that you guys had, you're all different enough that you took on different roles. And then the chemistry just, I love your chemistry. I, it's amazing. I just think it's incredible. Like when, when you guys start, I just love watching you guys ding each other. Um, yeah, it's fun. I think the secret glue though, is that we all have a very similar work ethic where we're always like, Oh, I want to be doing, well, I just want to be working on a project or I always want to be, you know, what's new, what's next? Like, how can we do this? And never, I don't think any of us are are really like content to be like, well, we did this and we can just stop or we can just coast. I think having this, a pretty mutual work ethic is, is really helpful too, just for the sake of if one person is kind of lagging a bit, you can like pick them up and we're all kind of, you know, always, always kind of moving on, on together as a group. That's and really impressive because you work hard. Works. Yeah. You guys work hard. You we tried to, man, tried you did a, you busy. did a sitcom. I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, that's a business. That's a big, that's a big business. You did it. And so, and also your sensibility is similar. You all have very like, you know, high vocabularies. You're, you, you know, you just, you seem to have high, high, it is not always highbrow humor, but it, you definitely access, I can tell, you know, like, I, I don't always even know all the words that you use, like growlix. I did not know, for example. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's cool. The sensitivity, the work ethic. I mean, it's just, I just love how the universe put you together. That's the way I choose to look at it that way. But you guys can just, isn't it amazing? Like how one, who knows, like there's this moment where all of a sudden you're a thing and here it is 20 years later. And how can you imagine your life without this group? Be so dear. yeah yeah it's uh it's you, crazy the things they that kind you of flew by the things that you come up with I've done a lot of uh, group sketch writing and also activist theater and I just love co-creating with people and I love that like the thing that you would never come up with on your own you know that you ping ping off each other and then kind of I feel like it takes on this almost like a yeah it's like it raises the frequency and it gets a little life force of its own then and y'all hold it together like a hologram I don't know why I'm getting <laughs> like, I need to see it. I need to see that you're working on a sculpture together. Well, totally. so, <laughs> is there anything that you are on? Uh, I did, I did not do all my homework today. I was like, oh, what is, what are you doing right now? What projects are you on? What can we tell people about as far as seeing you, um, listening to your, you have, you know, you probably have albums out there, specials. What, what should we tell folks about? Yeah, I've got a couple albums you can check out. Uh, the first one's called Hit the Dick Lights. The second one's called <laughs> Alexa Play Creed. 
Uh, sorry, <laughs> you were listening to this on uh, speakers, but I'm about to record my third album here in Denver. I'm not sure when this episode will drop, but if it drops in time, February 9th and 10th, I will be recording my third album at the Denver Comedy Underground. Those tickets are on sale right now. So check that out. If, awesome. If I'll put a link. That, yes, I'll put this up. I can put my third album. Yes. I I, I'll absolutely uh, put say. this up in time. For that, in fact, yeah, because I don't have to do any. I'm gonna. We're. I'm just relaunching um, the second season next Tuesday. I I do an episode every Tuesday, and so I have you guys as one, two, three. But it doesn't. I'll think I'll put yours first because then we'll actually give time for people to come to the con. I love the underground. It's a great space. Ben Bryant. I got to get Ben on here. Yeah, Ben Bryant runs that. He's he moved to New York, but I think he's still running that room, isn't he? Or is somebody else? Yeah, running? he's here all he's here all the time, yeah. Yeah. And it's a great it's a great room. Oh, that's going to be good. You so your new album 9th and 10th. I'll put a link in the whatever show notes as they say. And what else? Uh so the Growlick Growlick saves the world. Growlick saves the world podcast, which you could find anywhere you like podcasts. We have a if you're listening to this in the Denver area, we have a live show called The Growlicks. It's the last Saturday of every month we do it at the bug theater which is a cool space um and yeah we just do stand-up we always do new stand-up every show so we got to come up with 10 new minutes every time and um it's uh it's a bunch of fun and <gasps> that's so amazing yeah. 10 minutes every time that's every impressive month, 10 new minutes Wow. I don't think I've written 10 minutes in the last 10 years. <laughs> I'm really like, That's not true. I, That's well, not true. I mean, no, I mean, I honestly, I have, uh, you know, I don't have a Netflix special. Uh, I think I have six followers on my Spotify for my album. So, <laughs> Hey, I can, you know, I can regurgitate stuff. Uh, that's, that's my agreement with myself. I'll save my, but I actually, I do. I write a little bit. I love to write on stage and then I got to just remember what happened, but yeah. Any, anything else you'd like to share with people who may be out there dealing with trauma, uh, having like how you've like, I don't know, anything, anything that just comes to you, no pressure, just if something is like, oh, you know, this thing really helps hmm. me when I get triggered or I don't know if you ever get triggered uh, by trauma like I do. Um, I'm known as a reactor rather than an actor. Um, as an adult child, we tend to be a little reactive. But anyway, anything that like resets you. Maybe it's when you say Alexa play Creed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things that reset me, I guess just for me personally, it's just like being patient, even with yourself and your emotions. And as you experience things like give yourself a little extra time to unpack it and to actually investigate it, think about it, deal with it, however you need. And, Maybe, you know, we form these like, like you said, these reactions where it's like, when this happens, I react instantly like this. And if you can find little ways to insert even a tiny bit of time in there. Uh, take a you, deep breath. It, yeah, take a deep <laughs> breath, count down whatever you need to do, do some breathing exercises, um, whatever, whatever you need, that can be that could be hugely helpful just because that time, even a little bit of amount of time can allow you to, to process, to process that a little bit better. Cause those first reactions, a lot of times they're, 
there can be overwhelming. They can be a reaction that you didn't want. They can, you know, they can cause you more pain, more issues. I have gone to, I've have gone to the Boulder County jail. Yeah. I've, I've reacted. (laughs) You know, you know, (laughs) avoid jail, take a breath. Don't be like uncle Nance. Uh, take a deep breath. Uh, maybe, you know, hang out with your pets. That always helps too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to have my, my two dogs. I can, you know, that's proven. It's not like you can be as skeptical as you like, but it's, uh, one thing that is proven is the benefit of, of petting a dog and the way it it literally like lowers your blood pressure. Like there's all these like proven, uh, physiological benefits just to like spend all the time petting a dog, scratching a dog behind an ear and, uh, that can that can be helpful. That's uh, what I that's what I use. That's my homeopathic medicine. It is it, it is medicine, and it does. Take it gets two you, huskies <laughs> get, uh, twice yeah. a day, <laughs> and they and you, I'm sure, and they get you into nature too. So when you get out in nature, you have to. Right. You, they got to run. Right. They got to run. Yeah, I love. And then yeah, well, listen. What which uh, do you you did a story about the and where we are going to have closure? I promise. Uh, we when you uh, you do a bit about taking them was that when you have them on the bike and stuff is that on one of your albums that people could listen to about you taking oh it? Taking... that'll be on my next album oh but yeah, that's a okay. true story okay of, we, uh, yeah. no, no spoilers you got to go to the album recording to hear yes. and get the new album to hear about it was hilarious yes. when we worked together up in breckenridge recently and you're talking about <laughs> i made the mistake of doing something similar with my sled dog so i i love that bit i love the bit about trying to take him on a run uh on on your bike and yeah that's madness <laughs> madness oh man thank you hey thank you so much for taking the time to talk to the tromedy oh, yeah. the tromedy folks Anytime. out there thanks for having me it was nice to chat longer than the average green room chat you know yeah i hope to i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna see you out there and maybe i'll be at your album recording you never know come down yeah come down. Well, uh, have a good rest of your day, Andrew. Boom. Thanks for having me. Do you need a clipper? I can try to get a clip of that vasectomy story, but yeah. It might be fun to throw in a snippet of it. It's no pun no pun intended, but yeah. yeah. We could throw in a little <laughs> snippet. Yeah, if you do have access uh, to it, why not? Because there was that the little part, part where- of the bit is the guy who did the imaging on my balls for an hour. <laughs> small talk to me the entire hour so i was like <laughs> i'm just gonna sleep through this it's dark in here it's you know i'm just going to like dissociate like you kind of want to dissociate yeah. right yeah but no I he wouldn't wanna, let you i don't really want to yeah i don't want to be awake and paying attention and he puts that freezing gel on the thing <laughs> and right before he goes in he goes so you get all your holiday shopping done and then he's <laughs> He small talked me the whole hour. I not, Dude. I could not believe it. I, it was it was horrible. It was horrible. He would not let you dissociate from that yeah. experience. I oh. was giving him those like little sounds that mean like nothing, like mm-hmm, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Tru- like, not even giving him all the verbal cues that we he didn't I, care. He did not care. He needed to have a conversation with you. Oh, that's funny. I love it. I love it. So if that doesn't go in, I'm still recording. I'll throw this in. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, 
Uh, it's good to, it is good to reconnect. I, yeah, you guys, that's so cool. I'm so, so happy for you to have, and I am jealous, like, oh God, that's got to feel so good to have this solid, like my son has a solid sibling, um, by choice crew, you know? And I, I love what I, they play magic, the gathering around my table and I, I, (laughs) they're nerds, but they are so, I love the barbs that they throw at each other and they really are like, they've known each other. One of them is since two years old and the other one since second grade. And I mean, they are ruthless. Like it is hilarious. Um, and I don't have any friends that'll let me give them that much shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's there's a there's an out, it's an outlet, right? There is a part of you that gets that out of you, and like, you know, there's a it's a genuine connection, and it, I really think it does speak to. I know when I adopted my son, they said, you know, when he's acting out, that's a sign that how much he trusts you. Like he knows how safe he is, that he can push on you that hard, and know that you know he's he's not. There's no threat to this relationship with him. That was back in the day. Yeah. It really anchored with me. So that's also a sign that you guys have that deep, deep bond that there's probably, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's something that could happen that, but I, but the, nothing like the verbal barbs that would threaten your relationship in any way, because you know where it's coming from. Yeah. I think, you know, as you know, too, Comedy is so much of it is competitive. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to get it. And you're not going to get it. I went and got the thing that you can't get. <laughs> yeah. Kind of the vibe. Yeah. So Dick Cavett. Uh, Dick Cavett said, well, it's, uh, it's not so important that one succeeds, but that one's friends must fail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that line. But and it's true, though. There's a sickness inside of us, like this really hungry little kid that's like, if, if he gets it, then that says something less about me, like that that whole weird comparitis thing. But yeah, but with your group, it's not like that. It's like you guys are no. Supporting. I mean, there's a little bit maybe uh, here and there, a little jealousy of like, oh, they got it and I wanted it. But no, I think by and large, not so much. And it is it is nice just to have a group that uh, that can that can work together and you can rely on. I wish more people did it for that for that reason just because it's like i think it's better for your comedy psyche to have that for sure yeah thanks i'm gonna i'm gonna keep working on fostering that kind of i find i'm really bonding with the millennials like christy bukley and i've been i loved supporting her birthing her show her one person show and i just i love i love you know when we can help each other and this this podcast has been kind of bonding too people kind of you know coming together and we're here to help other people. I love that. So that feels really good. Big. I love our community. I actually love the Denver comedy community. There's a sense that we know we've got each other's back if somebody needs something. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I think it's better than most for sure. Well, uh, what are you doing? You got, you're going to go out and save the world and pick up your child from school? Yep. Uh, well, luckily her mom just picked her up uh, today. But yeah, I got to, I got to, uh, make this make this call i'm doing uh a sober comedy show there's this like sober group that is doing more more comedy which is cool because i think that that's i wanted i like doing sober shows and i think that comedy is so entwined with drinking a lot of times or it's like you have to get two drinks it's like well yeah you can get two cokes i guess but yeah <laughs> but it's nice to i think it's Sober comedy, I think, is just as valid as regular drinky comedy, and I I'm glad that more people are doing 
doing those shows. You know? Man, I love that too because I've never really felt good about pimping drinks for a living. And um, what do you do? You consider sober from alcohol? Or I did that dose show, and it was the most present I've ever been in a show in my life when I was on What's M- that? Uh, What's the that dose. Uh, Steve Gillespie has a show called The Dose, and it's a psychedelic comedy show. Mm. And it is, I mean, wow, it was transformative. So the, the comics eat like mushrooms or something? Yes, and me, well, some of them ate many different psychedelics. I stuck to <laughs> one. I mean, MDMA is is a psychedelic technically, but I yeah. mean, but I felt the most present. I have, I mean, like transcendent and, I mean, people are drinking there at that venue, but uh, do you consider sober alcohol or also all the other substances on a sober I don't show? do any of them. So I guess in my case it does, but um, I mean, here and there I've, I've smoked weed. I'm not like sworn off of weed, like formally or whatever or anything really. But for me, it's just like quitting drinking. Cause that was the thing I had the, an issue with. So, you know, I, I guess I use the term sober as like a catch all, but um for me it's yeah it's specifically just not not drinking but yeah. by and large i don't i don't really do anything my really really my only vice is like caffeine and coffee that's my new that's my new thing <laughs> yeah man i do my earl gray i've got to have and i am starting to take uh adhd medication which my son calls meth um because it does have amphetamine in it but it is changing my life to take this I've never yeah I got anyway it's helping me it's helping me not have so much shame and doubt like I call it a shame and doubt blocker Uh, (laughs) I don't take it every single day because there's a part of me that's afraid of being I don't know I don't want to have to up my dose or I don't want to get like oh dependent on it but man on a day I need to get some stuff done it's so helpful it's but it's like coffee but with uh I don't know there's something that my mind just goes have you ever Okay, I gotta let you go. I'm sorry. I'm still talking. Okay, oh, <laughs> I can't end. Stories. I can never end a conversation. <laughs> I'm like, and another thing. Let's talk. And also, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Seriously, and yeah, I, thanks for having me. I'm glad. I look for, I'm glad I, it worked out. I hope we get to work together again soon. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Peace and love, Andrew. And thank uh, you. Have fun on the sober show. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I'd like to thank my guest, Andrew Orvidal. Check out the show links for Andrew Orvidal's album recording, Reach the Growlix Saves the World podcast, The Growlix Shows, and if you are suffering from, from a botched bisectomy, don't hesitate. Go get that checked out. Don't be shy. If you're, if you're having pain during sex, go get checked out. There are solutions out there. And as always, like, subscribe, and share Tromedy with your friends. I'd like to thank my son, Nathaniel Norton, for the music, although he said he's working on some new music. He was disappointed when I told him today I'm launching season two, and he said, you, you're supposed to tell me because I wanted to make new music for season two. So let's see what that'll be coming up. And I want to thank you, the listener. Thank so many of you have reached out to me and our guests, and I have new friends, and I feel a richer, deeper connection with my community, thanks to Traumedy. And so thank you. You're actually healing me. I hope that you're getting half as much healing as I am. 
It's Traumedy Tuesday, a new episode every Tuesday. Traumedy is a higher power production.